Hello once again and welcome back to the Field Trip Podcast. My name is Brent Trehune. Joining me on this uh, Treehouse of Horror episode, Mr. Don Guillory and James Sabata. Guys, how's it going? Doing well. Good. Glad to be on here. Absolutely. Yeah, been, let's, uh, let's plug your stuff. I've been on your podcast many times, the Necronomicon.com. So let's talk about that real quick. Yeah, the Necronoma.com. It's a yeah. It's did a I say that right? On... No, that's all right. Okay. Nobody, nobody ever finds our shit anyway. No one listens to us. When it's I fun. search for it, I always um, have to go Necronomy.com. Yeah. Yeah, you got to put. We the should the come up with a jingle. It. it sends you to weird websites otherwise. So it's the Necronoma.com. Yes. And it's it's just a pun on the on the Necronomicon, of course. Yes. So, and what and um, what is your show about? I've been on a couple times, but to, let's tell this our, uh, my listeners what what we're talking about. Absolutely. So our show basically we break down a different horror film every week and talk about its like the social commentary of it, how it relates to societal concerns at the time the movie was filmed as well as today. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm trying to remember which ones uh, I did with you guys. I think I did Creep. Yep, the movie creep. creep yes and uh, cabin, cabin, in the in the woods. cabin in the woods yeah, yeah. and uh one. i well i and i listen to your show when i'm not on it i've not listened to my episodes i've listened to everybody else's episodes <laughs> but specifically enjoyed the uh not the night of living dead episode the uh oh, yeah. trying to think what the other one was that i just listened to the um wicker man one so oh, i would definitely yeah. recommend mm-hmm. people go listen to that show if you're a horror fan uh so and uh, you guys are uh, plug plug some of your books and stuff too let's get the plugs first so people aren't All waiting right. to the end i'm Don, gonna let james go, go no no i'm gonna let james go first <laughs> because he'll undersell then i have to hype him up and then he gets to you know get in his mood or mode, All right, here we go or whatever you want to call it so uh i i wrote a little book called fat camp and it's basically a slasher set in a camp for overweight teenage kids uh, it started out with like, you know, all the stereotypes of slashers, like, like the running boob jiggles and stuff like that, except I twisted it and made it teenage boys instead. <laughs> uh, you know, so our group shower scene got way less enjoyable, for instance. Uh, but <laughs> uh, overall, it's, it's just like a combination of my fears as a kid. It was uh, very much like I was always afraid Jason was going to come kill me. And then I have always been overweight. So just everything you carry with that from bullying to whatever else. Um, those are my current then, fears, by the way, not just when I was a kid. Yeah, no, no, I still have those. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I don't I'm want my boobs to jiggle, jiggle when I'm getting chased by the killer. <laughs> well, I mean, I do now, but I just, I care more about how it looks on the Instagram video. Yeah, that's but, true. Um, <laughs> well, you could do the boomerang with it, so you're fine. Oh, there you go. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's really more of a coming of age tale. It's uh, It's a lot about my main character, dealing with grief and other things. Uh, you know, it was just super important to me that while every character is overweight, like that's never the thing that's really their problem. Mm-hmm. Like that's what their parents mm-hmm. view as their problem. And that's why they're there. But it's more like, you know, how do I, how do I get a girl to like me? And how do I stop people from bullying me? And those are their concerns instead. And then, you know, some psycho with machete shows up. Yeah. And then I have uh. this, uh, this other book. It's called The Cassowary. And it's basically a creature feature featuring a w- one of Australia's craziest fucking animals. Oh, sorry. Can I cuss on your show? No, <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> I'll, I'll try not to anyway. Uh, no, you but, can't. Uh, 
so so the cassowary is this thing that it's a giant bird like an ostrich only it can run like 35 miles an hour and jump like seven feet in the air and these things can just rip humans to shreds so i thought that makes a good creature feature and then you know i spent all of chapter 13 killing my co-host don here so it's a very enjoyable book for me excellent yeah, I, I laughed pretty hard when i was reading that scene and wincing a couple of times <laughs> <laughs> so don what did you write i have written uh i've, I've got two horror books that I, i've written oh by the way i have to say james very well done i didn't have to hype you up uh yes. other than the fact that he missed that he's an award winning <laughs> you know but uh what award you know, did you win james uh, the Cassowary won Best Horror at the Imaginarium Con in Louisville, Kentucky this yeah. past July. That was the one I was supposed to be at, and I bailed on you. You did. It was terrible. I cried all weekend until I got my trophy. Then it was fine. Yeah, well, I <laughs> well, you, you think pulled those strings. <laughs> I, I couldn't make it, so I had no. That's all Brent, you. We weren't, we weren't supposed to let him know, man. I, I, did, I did unbearable <laughs> things, unspeakable things. Well, I appreciate I didn't, that. I didn't we know we were both working on it. <laughs> hey, that's, you know, that's what friends are for. You guys are better friends than I'm friends with James, but what I did, I should be considered a best friend. <laughs> All right. You're upgraded. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Don, tell us about your books. Uh, yes. I've, I've got two books, uh, two nonfiction, I'm sorry, two fiction novellas. Uh, one I published last year. It's Bastards of the Bayou. It's uh, I, 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 I call it entry-level horror for someone so if you're the kind of person who loves uh id channel and southern fried homicide and all that stuff like this gets you into horror without realizing that you're in horror like mm -hmm. those shows do uh and then i've got uh magnolia lane which is my most recent work just published it this past summer uh it is a southern gothic haunted house story and to give you the elevator pitch as i told james haunted plantation tour okay i'm so in if you, you just sold me. if you're a person like me who thinks that like people go into plantations for fun or for tour like that was the genesis the, the origin of this story i was like all right well let me think about how i can kill some of these people for you know using these places <laughs> of, of horrible horrible human behavior yeah uh, let's let go have go wine and, and canvas at this plantation yeah yeah, that uh, that reminds that's uh, reminds me of the people that bur uh, buy like murderabilia, like the, the John <laughs> yeah. John Wayne Gacy's paintings or something, you know. Yeah. Uh, and where uh, are you guys? Both your books are on Amazon. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I I guess James, you're selling them through your website too, or no? Uh they're they're on Amazon. Go there. Oh, okay. Jeff Bezos what, needs money. What? Yeah. Where's the most profitable spot for you guys? Go to the individual websites. I imagine, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mine is donaldrguillory.com. Mine's just um, jamessabata.com. I've got some for you. Brent, what is this? <laughs> but uh, this will be, be out in like, Las Vegas for the 20 books. Yeah, this will be out at ASAP. So you can plug it. Oh, or okay. Not. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. I'll, hey, I'll plug it. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be at the, the 20 books to 50K book writers convention. Uh, I'm doing a signing at Bally's on Friday from nine to four. And as far as I know, attendees are free because we're there to, you know, network and, and learn better uh, strategies within the craft and things like that. But then on Friday, you buy a book, you get a signature and, uh, you know, 
maybe maybe later one day you can paint me like one of your French girls. With a, that'll be murderabilia. Hopefully not. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's the I pen didn't... he did it with. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's jump into some Treehouse of Horror talk uh, on your uh, podcast at Necronami.com. Uh, last year, you guys pretty you did every episode, right? Yeah, yeah. There were uh, there were thirty one of them at that time, so we did one every day of October with my friend uh, Thomas Brungart. He's uh, he's one of my closest friends, and he's a huge Simpsons fan. And so I jokingly said to him, "Wow, we should do an episode every day about the Treehouse of Horror," and and then we did. And oh my god, that was a crazy idea. <laughs> and how much did you guys hate it? I I personally I got to a point where I hated it. I. Yeah. Uh, I think the other two, I, I don't mean to speak for you, Don, but it feels like they were both kind of worn out on it. But I was literally like, mm-hmm. I hate the writers of these episodes. I want to find them and hurt them. Like, that's how far gone I was at one point. But um, the, the magic of it, what's really weird to me is by the time we reached 31, like it started getting really good again. And I was it was resonating more with me again. And I really found that it's it's like family. You know how like you show up and you see somebody you haven't seen in a while and it's great. And you have this little nostalgia moment and then they start wearing on you after a few days. Mm-hmm. And then, and then when you're getting ready to leave, you get kind of sad again. Right. That's, that's where I was. Some people what are good you, for about 15 minutes. Let me get 15 minutes of, of James. <laughs> and then after that, let's, let's go. So I like you, not you personally, James, but you get it. Sure. Let me get, uh-huh. let me get 15 minutes at uncle Jerry he's good till the 16th minute when he starts talking about conspiracy theories. <laughs> oh, we all have that relative. Yeah. Yeah. And some of us are then. <laughs> I don't uh, want to tell him myself. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, Don, what was your experience with, with doing a Treehouse of horror every day? It, it was pretty much the, because I, I watched him in blocks. I think I probably watched like five or six episodes at a time. Uh, yeah. Cause I was trying to get him uh over a short span of time i was trying to get them done and it was interesting for me going back and seeing the originals and how they took well not that they took themselves too seriously but they took horror seriously in the sense of they were not going to spoof they weren't going to goof on it they weren't going to spoof anything Mm -hmm. um that that where there was no point but then yeah in those mid-20s episodes it, it just became uncomfortable (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then i I would probably say three out of the last five have been good yeah Uh, and the two that weren't it was it it made me reach my limit where it's like you know what maybe now's the time (laughs) yeah maybe just you should have stopped at 31 like this would be you'd be fine call it well and this you know these episodes it's like everybody looks forward to these episodes even if you don't watch Mm -hmm. new simpsons you're mm-hmm. at least going to be like, let me check out the new Treehouse of Horror. So I, I'm in my head. I'm like, how could these not be good? You've been working all year on this, or two years in advance on these stories, yeah. you know. Definitely. But then again, I, I guess it's different if uh, if you're a guy, you know, writing it. Maybe you're like, I thought this was good, and you guys are telling me otherwise. <laughs> well, and one of the biggest problems that I saw, uh, or one of the biggest changes I saw, rather, if you look at like the first. I don't know, five or six, maybe seven. Mm-hmm. They really had people that 
understood the movies they were parodying it. Mm-hmm. And right. uh, and then there's a Harry Potter one. I want to say it's maybe the twelfth one, something like that. And right. they straight admitted none of the writers had seen Harry Potter when they spoofed it. It was just the popular thing. Mm, yeah. And and I feel like that started happening a lot, mm-hmm. um, even with the most recent one, because we did another episode this year for the new one. Um, like they they covered Parasite and it really bothered me because it felt like the whole episode was just, hey, here's the twist of Parasite. But they didn't do anything with it. They just like showed you what the twist is. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, like it didn't even have a full story to it. It was suddenly just Bart's going to go watch Itchy and Scratchy now. And then they made fun of another Bong Joon-ho movie. And it's like, what What? What did you do here? So that's that's the weirdest thing I saw is just that that grasp of horror in the beginning and then just doing things because it's popular. Mm-hmm. I feel like in order to, maybe I'm wrong, but in order to parody something, you also have to love the thing you're parodying, you know? Right. You, yeah, you had that agree. respect. Like, I imagine the guys who did Shaun of the Dead love zombie movies. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Definitely. All right. Because well, you have last... to have at least seen enough to get the tropes right. Yeah. Yeah. And I just last night I watched uh, Young Frankenstein. I'm like, and maybe James, you know, uh, J- Mel Brooks. Sorry. Uh, James L. Brooks. That's the Simpsons guy. Mel Brooks. I'm like, he probably likes Frankenstein. I mean, everybody's familiar. Everybody's seen Frankenstein without seeing Frankenstein at this point, you know? So that movie is so good, but I I can't imagine them not liking the source material, you know? Yeah. It's very strange. So um, uh, we talked off Mike about the stuff we, we love about these shows, but also the stuff we hate, which sometimes the hate conversation is better, (laughs) but let's talk about, did you guys have full episodes that you enjoyed or segments? I don't know how you guys wanted to do it. The ones that stuck out with you. Mm. Yeah. Um, well, I'll go first, if yeah, you don't mind. Uh, the one episode that I think is absolutely perfect is season seven. And uh, it, it's the one that has the devil and Homer Simpson. Mm-hmm. And then attack what, of the 50 foot eyesores. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, the other like, one's just called Homer. That those three segments. No, is that the right one? Maybe that's not the one I'm thinking of. Uh, you said season seven. You're, What's season um, six? Maybe it's season uh, six. Oh, you know what? I'll bet it's. I'll bet it's five. I'm so sorry. Um. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's ra- It's a season. It's uh the devil and Homer Simpson terror at five and a half feet and Bart yes. Simpson Dracula. Yes, that one. That one's perfect to me. It's the one where I love every single segment on its own. Mm-hmm. And and then I love, you know, just like that's the feeling that I want from these episodes. Like I remember watching it live when it aired. I remember like just being like, holy hell, that was like the best Simpsons episode I've ever seen out of any of them at that point. Um, today, it's uh, you only live twice. But, you know, anyway, um, my point is, <laughs> like, I think that one's perfect. Like there's others where I really love certain segments, but that that's an overall episode for me. Oh, the, the devil and Homer Simpson, just one of my favorites, just, and I guess the source materials, the devil and uh, Daniel Webster, which I don't even, maybe you guys know or are familiar with that, but I'm not familiar. I just like, it's weird going back and watching some of these and being like, oh, I didn't even know that was a reference to that thing, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, but just the cowering Richard Nixon of like, uh, 
<laughs> the devil's he's on the jury and and uh richard nixon's like yes master <laughs> like just <laughs> so funny yeah uh and then two of those the, the bart simpson's dracula and terror at five and a half feet which is the nightmare at twenty thousand feet from uh twilight zone those two are straight parodies that i think most oh, yeah. people would know like do you think a lot of these because this this episode in particular on like a list of best of tree houses was in the top five across all lists that I found. Do you think a lot of that has to do with we already love the source material, so it's like we we can make that mental jump, maybe? I mean, I think it helps if you get the reference, but yeah. like like you didn't know that it was uh, the devil the and Daniel Webster, you know, yeah. like it's a fantastic segment on its own, and and I think that that's where the the real power is when you can have an episode that holds up with somebody who doesn't know anything about it while at the same time there's all these added jokes if you do i i feel like that just automatically makes a way stronger episode and i'm mm-hmm. sorry don i didn't mean to cut you off if you were going to answer that it's all right it's all right you definitely do it all the time so <laughs> <laughs> well i i know brent knows this mathematical formula which is you know uh pain plus time equals comedy mm-hmm. um And I would say it's the same thing here with the source material. The more time that you have between that piece, there may be not necessarily a fandom that goes along with it, but at least people who understand it, who know of it, or they know enough of it to when it's being parodied or being, you know, referenced, that time has already been built. Um, You know, you don't have to mention Harry Potter as one of the source material for one of the other episodes. That's something that you'd need to know a good bit about, right? Because it's still fairly new. Mm-hmm. If you did something on, I don't know. Uh, well, I mean, you had your films. So if you did anything that involved the Universal Monsters or any, you've got a lot of people who've never seen those films. I mean, at least that are alive now that didn't see those films, but they know who the mummy is. They know who the, mm-hmm. the Wolfman and Dracula mm-hmm. and Frankenstein, or at least Frankenstein's monster. To where there's some things that people from a wide swath of the public can grasp to where it's it's not too foreign to them mm-hmm. and even saying, like what sorry to interrupt but you were oh, saying oh, like mentioned yeah, Frank's frankenstein like again we've all seen that movie without seeing it essentially everybody's heard it's alive guess, or yes. even i want to suck your blood which is not even in that movie in dracula yeah. <laughs> But right. every everybody says it that way. We we just all kind of assume. So again, we've seen a lot of these without seeing them. Yeah, there was a, a, a panel I went to in, in in Fanex, and one of the one of the panelists basically talked about how within the English field or within the literature field, there's that idea of or that practice of the the material that it is, once the writer has published it, once that creator has made it, it is no longer theirs. Because mm-hmm. they have pushed it a certain way in their writing or even to their publisher, but the audience that picks it up is going to read it a completely different way than you intended. And she used a great example, which I, you know, it's the only one I could ever think of, which is with Ray Bradbury in Fahrenheit 451. He said up until his death that the book was not about censorship, it was about technology, but every English literature co- course teaches it as if. That is the story. He created this to, to warn us of, of censorship and how the government operates and make sure that you have your freedoms to 
go around with no mask and not get your kids vaccinated. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is the thing. It's like if even if I believe a certain song is about something, that's that's the truth to me, you know, right there. I'm sure there have been many a, a wedding song. And then you listen back to the lyrics. You're like, that wasn't about a man and a woman at all. <laughs> you know but again that meant something to somebody so who am i tell you to you know uh to tell well, you if what they were, it's about so did you go to a wedding this past weekend where they were playing montero as the 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 couples <laughs> it was my <laughs> wedding <dance>. actually <laughs> <laughs> uh if you by the way if you listen to the lyrics of montero they're really funny uh oh yeah <laughs> yeah uh but it's a good song on top of that so i'm all for it um and the, also the, all the the list of these Treehouse of Horrors, the top ten are all from the first ten seasons, I think. So, do you think a lot of this Treehouse of Horror stuff, where you you guys said they started to get bad, do you think that's a symptom of when you talk to a Simpsons fan, they're like seasons three through ten are good, and then the rest is kind of hit and miss? Do you think it's a symptom of the Simpsons being good, and then it started to to not be good? I think quality plays into it, but I, I think it's also, sorry, James. Um, no, go ahead, go ahead. But but I think it also comes down to there was a lot more attention to the stories and building a good story. And of course, you get your wrap rounds in several of those episodes. Yeah. But I, I think it was the investment in time to where now it's, well, it's expected, so we're going to do it. And not as though they were trying to really knock one out of the park as far as creating conversations or ratings or anything like that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Go ahead, I James. Think it, I think it depends who you are as well. Like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you're my age and you grew up watching the original seasons, nothing's going to compare to that. I can't go back to being 11. Yep. You know, I can't go back to like, like talking about Bart Simpson's Dracula. There is a moment where they're on the intercom and Mr. Burns says, well, son of a bit. And it gets cut off. Right. Mm -hmm. When I was a kid, that was the funniest stuff ever. We were like, oh, my God, they almost cussed on The Simpsons, right? Mm -hmm. I right. can't go back to that. I don't have that reaction when I watch it. I have that memory when I watch it. And okay. so if I'm watching a new episode, I don't think I'm going to feel about it the way like my son would feel watching the same episode. Mm -hmm. whether, whether we like it or not, we're still going to have a different experience with it. And so, so I think that's a big part of it. The whole, just not even the Simpsons, but just in our culture in general, that nostalgia will make up for some shitty things, won't it? Yes. Oh my god. Oh, yes. <laughs> like, uh, you know, I, I, my wife would watch uh, the Full House reboot, and I'm just watching again. This the show is not for me to begin with, but I'm watching it. I'm like, this is garbage. But apparently, a lot of people love it. To where I think you got multiple seasons, but it's that nostalgia factor of oh i remember when i when i was a kid so now it's good now you know right yeah and they try it with every show and i don't blame them like you you own the ip the, the actors want to be paid whatever else. like i get it from a business standpoint yeah a as a fan i think that we just have to understand that certain things aren't for us anymore right and uh i was really tested with that this past year uh, you know, I preach this all the time, especially to like my Star Wars fan friends. And, and I'm always like, well, the new ones aren't for you. And exactly. then they dropped a new Saw movie and I had to <laughs> suck up everything I've ever said and accept that Spiral was not made for me. <laughs> and, and, but, but I look at that and I'm like, 
my sons are so excited by the new Saw movie, you know, and my sons are like my one son loved Fuller House, you know, mm-hmm. just like I get it. And and no, he's not going to go back and watch the original and think that it's good. He's going to think it's outdated and weird, you know, so yeah, I think I'm that's a big part of it. Old man moments of being like, I don't know about this new music. Like, and I'm like, oh, I, I used to hate that guy, but you know, now it's, you have to even stumble across new music. It's hard to even find new music because I don't even listen to the radio anymore, you know? So it's, uh, I go, I have to go out of my way to be an old man now. I'm still trying to figure out who Doja Cat is. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I know it on from TikTok songs, but that I know the six seconds of that song that plays over and over again. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> um, well, another uh, episode or segment that you guys enjoyed. I got Don. We, we can go with oh, you yeah. since since James stole your thunder. I know. I <laughs> he, he, he's a good guy, though. He's a good guy. <laughs> I I would say for me, it's between uh, Trias of Horror one and seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, of course, started off, but for me, it was. At that age, I hadn't seen to to or to go back to the earlier part of the conversation. I hadn't seen uh, The Shining up to that point. Yeah, it wasn't a it wasn't a movie that I recalled seeing. But when this when this came out, I knew what the hell The Shining was about, and then I was interested in going in, in actually watching it. And I think I, you know it was back in the VHS days. I you know got one uh, and and popped it in and. Um, you know, I was, I was sitting there, I was like, oh, well, these are where all those lines came from. Okay, well, this is cool. Uh, but as far as uh, episode seven, there's, I, I can never unthink about the the Lisa, uh, I, I guess, the, the, the science experiment um, where the Genesis tub. She, yeah, where she gets so caught up in, okay, the scientific experiment to all of a sudden, oh my gosh, they worship me. This is great. And you start to see how people would react, even as a child, when they have people worshiping them or at least deifying them in, in, in a number of ways um, to where it, it is going to affect your ego. And then you're going to have a, a shitty brother who wants to come and you know steal your project as his own after... Yeah. Well, they even Attacking. they took, you know, that's a, a the little people is a that's an episode of the Twilight Zone. And I only know that because I had the mm-hmm. Wikipedia pulled up. I'm not a genius. But uh, <laughs> but then later in, in Futurama, that was a whole episode with Bender where you had a society living right. on his stomach. Like some of these things are just like such such tropes now that stuff like the Twilight Zone made. And, and that might might have been a reference to something else. But those yeah, those types of things, again it's a reference to something else. And I'm not saying it's got to be a reference to be good, but I think that helps. And that the other uh, ones in that one, Don or citizen Kang. Yes. Uh, and then the thing and I, which I, that's the, the Bart one oh, where man. he has the twin. Right. 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 Um, yes. Yeah, so again, when you watch the Simpsons and you watch citizen Kane, you, I had seen that movie without seeing that movie so many times from watching the Simpsons. Mm-hmm. And from what I know of the Simpsons writers, love that movie you know um and then the the episode one that's i guess one of my favorites just because i love the raven so much um okay oh nice and on the the written by on the wikipedia it says sam simon and edgar Allan poe so i guess <laughs> poe got the right for the simpsons that was always one of his dreams i think so that's a hell of a career yeah 
and I remember watching that in uh, one of my high school English classes. Yep. Or she do the Raven, and then a teacher's like, "All right, we're going to watch this." So at least kind of bridges the gap from text to stuff that you actually like, you know. Um, and that episode also featured heavily was uh, James Earl Jones. Mm-hmm. Yes. The uh, the the he you know you know James Earl Jones. He's the blind guy from Sandlot. <laughs> Yes, that's where I know him from. <laughs> yeah, that's how I reference him too. <laughs> um, yeah, I I love both those episodes. Uh, I remember he was like everything the light touches is our kingdom, but I can't see the light. This sucks. That's it. Yeah. Wow. So quit making all this racket out here. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's my favorite line. Oh my god. <laughs> how do how do you feel? Here's a newer segment. How do you guys feel about the? Uh, the one where Homer is uh, mo- being multiplied by the hammock. That, that was funny. funny. It, it, yeah, it was, it was funny and clever. It, even to go back to, to, to Treehouse 5, right? I don't know why I said uh, one. It's Treehouse 5 where they had the... Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. No, no. It, that, was, that was on me. Um, but I, I, had, I have to... Because James has a favorite quote that he uses. I have roughly about three or four quotes that come from this show that are all attributed to Homer. But what I often use is if I'm sitting around and I can't, I can't remember something, I'll say something, something. And then I'll pause, make Don go crazy. Don't mind if I do. And I just, (laughs) I just go looking for whatever it is. So my daughter has caught me doing it. My wife has caught me and they're kind of like, what, what, what the hell's wrong with you? Um, there's the SMRT chant where you know, I, oh, yeah. I do something simple. I'm like, SM, I am so smart. Mm-hmm. I am so smart. SMRT. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. I, I mean, to, to answer your earlier question, um, James? What? What's going on? <laughs> I'm saying, so, I, I, I ran off into, you know, when you were talking about quotes and stuff. Yeah, I mean, so the the hammock episode I thought was really funny. It's one of the segments I like, like later. And uh, yeah, it's it's just one of those that it feels so much like a normal Simpsons episode while also embracing the weirdness of Treehouse. Yeah. And and I think that that's a real, a real uh, powerhouse tool that they don't use enough. They they either like kind of like oh, who can we cast as this thing from a horror movie? But they like, they forget the the strength of how developed their characters are. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of shows anymore really rely on it being a reference to something. And I do think that sometimes I just want to know about Springfield or I want to know about South Park. I, I, don't, I don't need it to be a parody of something. Sometimes just whatever. That's why I will go back and watch the early episodes of South Park. Not that I think the later ones are bad, but some of those are so standalone that it's like the story only <laughs> happens on South Park. You know what I'm saying? Right. right. I still watch the Robert Smith episode at least once a year. And, and I don't think I've <laughs> watched regular South Park since, since Kenny went to heaven. So that's like, what, like 10 years ago? Uh, so, that's a lot longer than that, I think. You yeah, mean, from the I don't. I don't have any idea. Like, but that's <laughs> how say, long it's been since I regularly back. watched it, and and I yeah. still go back to the Robert Smith episodes. So sometimes um, you just want to visit that world. Also, I just watched the. Uh, uh, now I'm trying to. Was it the 
the parody of the dead zone, the Ned zone. Cause it was, again, it was on the list. So I'm just trying to hit the, the highlights. I've seen pretty much all these, but as you guys know, there were, you know, now 32 episodes, three segments yeah. a piece. Can't keep track of them. The Ned zone. I just wrote down this quote uh, to, uh, again, the premise is Homer's traveling through time with a toaster. And uh, oh, man, that was so good. And uh, again, that's on the, the top 10 of, of episodes, by the way, but uh Homer's time traveling through uh, time. I guess I didn't need to say that, but uh, Ned is like the overlord and he pops up and he says, hardly host slaverinos. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just when uh, you Ned Flanders, something it's evil, but make it Ned Flanders. It makes it so much more funny. Slaverinos. Well, I, but that's one of those things in itself that I love about Treehouse. The way that Ned is constantly either killed or he's Mm -hmm. a bad guy or both is just so funny to me because there's like, like one of the early ones where Homer shoots Ned and they're like, how'd you know he was a zombie? And he's like, he's a zombie. Zombie? (laughs) You know, like, like, it's just, it's so, it's so great that Homer gets to live out these weird fantasies in Treehouse of horror by killing Ned repeatedly. Well, I think but, that's... but I do. I love how his evil nature comes through. And I think that there's such social commentary there. <laughs> I'm not going to get into it right now, but like I, I, I enjoy it. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, the, the thing uh, with these types of episodes, too, that are, you know, that not canon or non canonical, as some of my nerd friends will say, you get to see characters be the op- complete opposite. Again, Ned being. Uh, a werewolf or just evil in general or like the uh was it the island of dr moreau you get to see which character turns into which animal which is not something you're like i wonder what (laughs) willie would be if he was an animal but it's also (laughs) cool to see characters and that's what i love you know you get like holiday episodes we just watched the family matters like four or three episodes of the halloween episodes and that's not part of the Mm -hmm. regular you know them becoming vampires in a castle is not part of their regular show. They're never going to mention that again, but it's fun to see characters outside of their regular realm. That sounds awesome. I want to watch that now. Yeah, I, th- <laughs> I think it's on uh, HBO as Family Matters and just Google those episodes. Sweet. Uh, again, and it's one of those, again, that's nostalgia. And you, you go oh, back yeah. and, but then I was laughing through these old episodes of Family Matters. I'm like, this is still a good show. You know, sometimes you look right. back and you're like, oh, what what was I thinking? Yep. Um, no, it, it was uh, when they had Bruce Lee Urkel and Robo Urkel is when it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, well, and James, I know you're a wrestling fan, Don. I don't know if you are, but yeah. you go back. Oh, and watch, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Certain wrestling. And you're like, I he fought RoboCop <laughs> like Sting fought <laughs> RoboCop. What, what was going on there? Clearly, I, I have crossover. moments where I'm like. I'm like, I was a Brutus Beefcake fan. Like, what the oh, fuck? God. You know? um, any <laughs> any other episodes that to you guys stick out or are your favorites? Or we can I, talk about the ones we hate now. Whatever. Well, let, let me uh, let me go back to one that you mentioned. The toaster is one of my favorite segments. Like, like when you talk perfection, that segment for me sums up what I want from a Simpsons horror because. Mm-hmm. It's so weird and it's so like, it's just out there according to who they normally are, but it's also very tied to who they normally are. And one of my favorite parts is Homer's in a perfect world. 
he finally did it. He stepped on the right stuff. He crushed the right things and the world is perfect. And then he asks for a donut and no one knows what a donut is. (laughs) And the way he reacts is so on character. It's just great. He freaks out and runs out and goes away. He doesn't bother checking. And then it starts to rain and it rains donuts. (laughs) And like, that just sums up this, this horrible thing that you have when you relate to Homer Simpson, where you were handed the perfect world and you blew it. (laughs) The only upside is he doesn't know. Yeah. My favorite line from that one, they're taking the brand new Lexus to aunt Patty and Selma's funeral. (laughs) Things are going great, but no donuts. (laughs) <laughs> go ahead don sorry oh no no i was, was gonna re- if we're gonna say the ones that we didn't like or disliked um oh, man this i don't know it's gonna be it's gonna be several uh but <laughs> one that I, I just had to look up just to make sure the number was right uh it was it was 24 um simpsons uh treehouse of horror 24 and i don't know it, it just there wasn't anything I'm, I'm not a big dr seuss person so the dr seuss story the fat in the hat didn't didn't work mm-hmm. um i was impressed with the amount of rhyming that's well, a lot yeah. of work to write that <laughs> well and that one's well, not necessarily science fiction or or horror again after you know 25 seasons of this you're like okay we got to take we got to do something different but again not not necessarily horror with that mm-hmm yeah, and then the the other segment uh, where they where they parodied uh, freaks. Oh yeah, honestly, it, we we've had this discussion on our show. There's some parts of episodes that didn't we didn't need, but then there were par- there were parts of these episodes that could have been a standalone story. I mean, you could have made it to where they're doing another one of their here's one of our ancestors' stories. You know, yeah. need something for a project and. I mean, this would have been a great way to parody Freaks by having Homer there. Because didn't they have, yeah, they had one episode, I guess, where Lisa was part Black because her great-great-great-grandfather was a, was an enslaved man. Who I believe they call those slaverinos, Don. <laughs> <laughs> you you know some school uh, like is going to be like, well, all right, we'll talk about slaves, but we got to call them slaverinos to lessen the blow of that yeah they're doing that down in springfield texas yeah (laughs) well well, speaking of which you know what it makes me think is that the people who are now protesting and talking about freedom and this is you know the the teacher who was wearing a yellow star of david it's like oh this is just as bad as the holocaust or just as bad as slavery you know what i can't fault those people anymore because i've seen what the school curriculums are in a lot of places to where they don't know yeah. like it's it, it's like when homer was was doing the uh the, the night school lecturing mm-hmm. <laughs> oh whatever i say they'll believe yeah that's kind of how it works for some yeah people. <laughs> well and again, again i you know as a kid you're just like oh that's that's the fact sure i'll believe that whatever then you find out later that some of this stuff is not true at all you know yeah two and two plus Equals five is, is not, no, that doesn't work. <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah, my there, most there... hated episode. Um, and, and I went off on, when we did the treehouse, I went off on this one. 
Uh, the diving bell and the butterball is my least favorite segment. <laughs> it, it made me want to just stop. I was so angry. I'm going to read you the description from Wikipedia here. In a parody of the diving bell and the butterfly and Spider-Man, Homer begins to decorate the house for Halloween and is reaching for a decoration in a box. Unfortunately, there's a real black widow in the box. And when Homer grabs what he thinks is a plastic spider, he's bitten by it. So far, so good. This was fun up to this point. The bite leaves Homer paralyzed and unable to speak. And when Lisa reads for him, she discovers he can only communicate through farting. This is where I lost my mind. Um, I love a good fart joke. Yeah. And there just there weren't any good fart jokes in this episode. And this gimmick wore off really, really quickly for me. And, and it's the one that I absolutely hate. That's season uh, 23, Treehouse of Horror 22, if yes. you guys want to hate watch that. Oh, man, please do. And then go listen to our episodes so that you can just hear me lose my mind because I was so mad. <laughs> yeah, full the, the full, like, if you if you want full, uh, uh, just ana- analyzation, I don't know if that's a word, but uh, check out the, the necronomy.com for, like, the full uh, thing because these these are the very brief sweeping over the treehouse of horror uh s- series so uh, are there any other ones that you guys either stand out love or hate before we wrap up you know i i actually really liked uh last year's they did a uh, toy gory and it was you know a spoof on toy story yeah and and i think I, I realized while we were recording this, what I liked about it. And it was what Don said about how sometimes you need time before you make fun of something and, yeah. and you need that, that, that world building. Right. And, and I think that that's why it hits so well for me. Whereas like parasite this year didn't because it's still new. And like I said, they ruined the twist, but I, I really think that that time helped that a lot. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And and the same thing I did enjoy like the brand new that year twenty twenty one, the one that just came out. The, as far as the segment, uh, it's Barty and not uh, Bambi. Yeah, yeah. But I I enjoyed. Uh, I'll, here's a spoiler, but Melhouse uh, as a rabbit gets his head blown <laughs> off a couple different times, and it's very funny to me. <laughs> on a on our episode when we talked about it, Thomas Bringart pointed out he wishes that like they'd shot Marge and Bart as well. And that like the bloodstains would have spelled out 32 and I can't get that out of my head. I think that would have been such a great opening. So, yeah. yeah. If you, if we're going to kill rabbit children, let's just kill the mom and the, the other baby <laughs> as well. I mean, that's the Disney way. So it would be <laughs> fine. Yeah. They are owned by Disney. So I wonder if they're like, don't kill them. <laughs> Don, did you have any uh, either love or hate? Uh, well, I will say I liked this one. Uh, it was uh, Treehouse of Horror number 30. It was the infamous episode 666. Uh, <laughs> but they had, I think, as opposed to where they missed their, their opportunity with uh, 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 with Parasite and even parroting, uh, oh my gosh, now I forgot the name of the, the bullet train movie. Anyway. Um, no, uh, Snowpiercer. Um, Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer. Yeah. Thank you. Um, even by parroting those two things, it, it just seems as though they didn't. They, they it seems like they were rushed. Whereas uh, this one, uh, they parody Stranger Things. They they parody uh, Heaven Can Wait and um, oh my God, uh, The Shape of Water. <laughs> mm-hmm. So at least I think 
these all three of these segments worked. I don't think that the the second or the mid segment was was weak by any stretch. I thought this was a a, a good episode where you had respectful uh, parodying of the source material or or satirical looks things to where it the general public knew enough about the story of Stranger Things. I mean, it, it had even been I think it's been on uh, Sesame Street now or parodied on Sesame Street by now. Mm-hmm. So it's at least something that's out there in the world for people to consume or at least understand. And I think for this one, I don't want to ruin it for anybody who wants to go back and watch this one. I think this one was definitely one of those two to three out of the, the, the last five years that I could, I could watch. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't get, tr- I wouldn't get tired of watching them again next year. If they happen to do a marathon, I'll know which ones to skip and where to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. Uh, six 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 was a great episode. Another that's the the number of the beast, by the way. Um, I don't what? know if you guys knew that. You know that, that Iron Maiden song. Drink. <laughs> I sw- I was at a gas station a couple weeks ago, and this lady had a Monster Energy Energy Drink tattoo on her forearm, and I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't tell if she was the 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 gas station employee, the beast, or what. I was just like, I don't know, I I don't I don't know why you would get a brand tattooed on your body. First off. Unless you're getting free Arby's, and I'm getting an Arby's tattoo. Uh, just a big potato I'm cake you. on your I'm arm. You. That that's right. I'll get the the big potato cake, and uh, I worked there for three years, so I did my time. Uh, <laughs> the other uh, segment, just to to wrap up, and I have another question for you guys as well. Yeah, the one that I loved was season twenty, and this was like the it was the twentieth anniversary. I was in college. They put out the DVD like that year, as opposed to like their DVDs have always been way behind uh, the release, but it was like season 20 aired. They released it. I bought it. And uh, it's the grand pumpkin mill house is one of my favorites. Oh, yes. 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 And again, I don't know for me, I love Charlie Brown things. So that could be half of it. Half the work is done, but I just thought it was a funny concept to see Oh, the great pumpkin comes back and he sees what we've been doing to all the pumpkins every year. (laughs) (laughs) Now that's a really, really forever. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that that's kind of a cool place to end too, because that really uh, wraps in like, like our generation loved peanuts and, and that whole great pumpkin thing and just how the Simpsons pulled in that nostalgia and now they're the nostalgia, mm-hmm. you know, like that's such a cool, uh, I don't know, whatever the word I'm looking for okay. is. I just, it's just so great. And uh, do you know we're like we're we're older when people are going to start parroting The Simpsons? Oh yeah, that's uh. But my my final question for you guys is what is what is a good parody in your eyes? Not necessarily Simpsons, but in general, because we talked about respect for the source material and making something good. In your eyes, what is what is something that did it correctly that you guys enjoy? Oh man, one of my favorite movies are, of all time. No. Not another teen movie. I am okay. obsessed with this film. I watch it all the time. It's like, if I'm depressed, if I'm down, that's a movie I can throw on because it gets all the beats correct. And then it also, like, like it's straight out is she's all that. But then there's so many other things that we make fun of watching films that they just did. And it's like, wow, how have teen movies not done that? And, and that's, my, that's my ultimate one. What do you got, Don? All right, I've got two examples. 
but I would say a, a great parody to start off with is Scary Movie, which is a parody mm-hmm. of Scream, which is a parody of the entire genre. So I think if you go with either one of those movies, you'll get the tropes, the gags, you know, the 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 suspense, all the good parts of, of a horror film, and then how you can parody uh, the, those horror films. The other one I would say, and I referenced it earlier, is Sesame Street. I don't yeah. think I don't think there are few teams that can rival what they're able to do by taking source material that is either maybe possibly too mature for their audiences, but they do it so, so well that the parents who may be watching along or, you know, somebody checks it out on YouTube later, sees how well of a parody and how, how well the writers understand what they're, what they're going to parody with this actor or whatever the scene is, that they do a good job of, of blending it for a children's audience, but then also giving a nod to the parents who may be watching it while also respectfully looking back at, at the source material. Because one of the best ones they did was Game of Thrones, uh, where it was you know uh, a, a musical chairs competition. But they made all these jokes <laughs> about the cast, uh, the, the characters. And at one point, I'm sorry, spoiler alert, I think it might have been rigged, but Grover won. God damn it, I have it on the DVR. <laughs> <laughs> so... So when he wins, I guess he, the, the prize is he becomes, you know, the, the king of musical chairs or something. So the character who is based off of Cersei Lannister gets, gets very angry that she didn't win. And instead of saying, oh, you know, like kids, with, I'm going to tell my daddy. She runs off. She's like, I'm going to tell my brother. And if you watch the show, you're like, holy shit, that is funny. That is funny. Nice. Alma and wants to know what incest is. <laughs> <laughs> incest All is brought to you by today's letter. Oh my god! <laughs> so, uh, I'm, I'm going to throw out two more really fast. I, I actually yeah. left them because I thought Don would take one of them, and I didn't know which one. Spaceballs. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Spaceballs is like just the ultimate parody. It's so good. And then uh, I, I would throw in Robin Hood and Men in Tights. Uh, okay. You know, it just it hits so many great Robin Hood tropes, and then still delivered a really fun movie in itself. All right, I'm, I can't I can't let this go forward without mentioning. Brent, and I'm glad Brent you... just wants to end the show. I, man. I, I know I'm gonna. I'll <laughs> shut. I'll shut up. I'll be. No, quick. this is a good conversation. We keep going. If it sucked, I would shut it down. So <laughs> it's 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 Blazing Saddles. So I, I teach yes. at Arizona State, and I use that movie when we get to talking about the West. And when they're watching, like, what, what the hell is the deal? I said, this is making fun of all the garbage that you were sold with these Western movies. Mel Brooks's Blazing Saddles is more historically accurate with, when talking about the West than any John Wayne movie. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he, he's, whether he meant, it, meant to or not, but he was parroting Westerns. He was parroting, you know, this, this American uber patriotism or the myth about going out west and, and manifest destiny and all this stuff um and and even you know american society is as far as all the political stuff that comes up and all the all the strategies that there are to get rid of sheriff bart mm-hmm. plus it's mel brooks you can't go wrong so i think we uh, we can all agree that great parodies are just mel brooks yeah pretty much <laughs> yes 
And one I would throw out that it's a children's cartoon, not on the level of uh, of, of Sesame Street, but uh, Animaniacs. Oh, I, yes. re- I remember watching Good Feathers, which was a parody of Goodfellas as a kid and not knowing what that what what Goodfellas was. But then you'd see these pigeons being like, how am I funny? Again, you see the movie without actually seeing it. <laughs> right. But again, you look back and you're like, I can't believe they made a, a, a sketch with pigeons about the mafia. But nobody ever knew, <laughs> you know, like no kid ever knew, you know. Uh, and also, James, uh, I I would like to sing. I just jerked off on your French toast from not another teen movie, but there's no appropriate place to do that. So there's always an appropriate place to do that. I'm gonna get a job at IHOP and uh, just deliver your food. Ah, I jerk, great. <laughs> I um. jerk. <laughs> what about if- you, Brent? Do you have a do you have a parody that you go to like like when you're when you're really in the mood? Do you have one that means the world to you? Uh, you know those Mel Brooks movies that we talked about and I mentioned earlier, Shaun of the Dead. Mm. Um, and again, uh, scary movie. Just rewatch one and two this this year, and still love those movies. And most of those jokes hold up for a movie that's got you know uh, probably a thousand jokes. Most of them hold up. Wow. Um, and some of them aren't even like uh, horror jokes. They're like the, the thing where they're bouncing the ball in Scary Movie 2, where it's it was like a, a parody of a Nike commercial that nobody would remember anymore, you know? <laughs> Just stuff like that. So awesome. I'm trying to think if there are other ones besides those. Um, I'm sure I'll, I'll think of one after. But yeah, th- those, all the ones that you guys named, are not wrong. So pretty much Mel Brooks. <laughs> Definitely. He's he's a god at what he does, man. Yeah. Um, uh, so let, let's wrap up with some more plugs. Where can people find your stuff again, guys? Go ahead, Don. Uh, okay. Uh, you can find my my book, Spashes the Bayou or my Magnolia Lane on Amazon or my website. I've got the uh, audio book coming out soon for Magnolia Lane. And then I will be in Vegas uh, November 12th from nine to four uh, or excuse me from 10 to four uh selling books signing taking pictures you know uh james <laughs> cool uh you can get my books on amazon or my website james uh you can follow me on twitter at james sabata uh, of course we have the podcast the necronama.com and uh, you can usually find me anywhere where there's good bar food, particularly if they have a good ghost pepper jack cheese for my burger. Um, and also, I will be uh, I've been on the Necronami.com for the, the movie again, Creep and also Cabin in the Woods. But here pretty soon, The Invisible Man from 1930 something. That is our Halloween episode. It's coming out the morning of Halloween. OK, cool. So this will be out uh, before that. But look forward to that me talking awesome. about the invisible man with you guys so thanks again for being on the show absolutely thank thanks, you for having guys. us